in a 60-second cycle. Find out more at MeBottle.com. Okay, so welcome to the Truth to Power show and Ready for Brooklyn. I'm your host, VGR Nathan. Um, with us today is Comfort Cat, a singer and songwriter. Welcome, Comfort. Hi. 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 Um, so uh, let's start off the interview just talking a little bit about singing and songwriting, how you, um, how you got into it or how, you, how it became a practice for you and this kind of thing. And, and tell us a little bit about the albums that you released. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So you, oh. Let me make sure I have a mic check. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. So we start a little bit about how you got into singing songwriting and, uh, and, and tell us a little bit about some of the albums you released. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't really write any songs for a long time, and I didn't really sing either. I was like, I was too scared to sing. <laughs> uh, and I didn't do that until oh, what, college. So like around like, I don't know, before college maybe. 16 or 17 I, I like I got this I, I I had a job and I'm like I can I have a job I can I can spend my own money I know I'm gonna take piano lessons <laughs> and then uh well I got this like Casio keyboard thing and I would like yeah this is kind of going in and out I'm short yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right yeah that should be better yeah so yeah I just wrote really um, I, I sang and wrote really, really quietly. I didn't want anyone to hear me, um, because I got started late or like, you know, it's funny, like I was only, I was only 17, but it felt like I was starting really late. Um, and you know, you know, when you, when you're around a lot of creative people who started writing when they were much younger than that, you don't want to show anybody that stuff. So that's where I started. Yeah. I didn't learn ukulele until like way later. Um, so like, like around when I was graduating college. So then then sometime after that, I would like perform. That's how I got into songwriting, just really quietly and like shyly. <laughs> and do you find uh, you were saying in your uh, some of the questions we were asking beforehand, we were discussing a little bit about how you know it's looking inward or looking outward, and and you find you tend to look inward to try to find <laughs> yeah. the the uh, the mechanisms of your own uh, I guess psyche or psyche or psychological process. Would you yeah. say? And, and tell us a little bit about. Kind of that process of looking inward. I'm just, I'm just trying to like make sense of my my own thoughts. They don't always make sense when they come out when I'm just talking to people, or you know how you know that feeling of just oh man, that would have been a great comeback, or, <laughs> or that would have been a better way to actually say what I thought, or yeah. Um, so sometimes I feel like a song is just like a really late comeback. <laughs> that's um. good. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And then, um, what would you say is the? Uh, we were talking a little bit about the essential truth that you believe is undervalued in society about nature and about uh, natural, <laughs> uh, natural self or the nature of the self. Would you say? And how how would you expand on that? You were talking. A little oh, bit, there's no mm-hmm. such thing as nature. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, said, I, I grew up with people like glorifying nature, you know, and I get it because people like things that look pretty. Yeah, but we create we create everything. I mean, when I say we, I don't just mean like people, like humans, but just like anything in any room is the world. So whatever else is in the room, and I feel like just even if it isn't pretty looking, it's still nature. Yeah, even it's if it's not air. like fresh air, it's still nature. 
Yeah, expanding our definition of what is natural and what is yeah. like uh, considered um, part of the natural. Can I move world. this thing down? It's yeah. like I feel like I have to like I feel like it's yeah. like a fishing hook. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's a little better. Oh, okay, good. Oh, there's a there's a cat on the microphone. Oh yeah, put. that's cool. Is that just is that just a coincidence? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think <laughs> the uh, radio Brooklyn people as well are very into the cats. They have a the little. Guy here as well, <laughs> yeah, little shower cap. Uh, I don't know if that's a cat per se, but uh, shower yeah. cap or shower cat, Sh- shower cat cap, yeah. On on a cat, on a cat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I approve of that. <laughs> so, how did you uh, tell us a little bit more about your name, uh, the comfort cat aspect? So, it was just because of a love of of kitties, or, or yeah, or, yeah. So Basically, comfort, it. yeah, yeah. It's also like. So there's a, there's a few ways that I think of it. So well, I mean, so around 2013, that's when I started. Uh, I got I was starting a master's degree in songwriting, and well, like during like the first like semester, or was really a trimester really of that course, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, I perform, and I just really hate the sound of my real name just so much. I just I hate the way other people say it. I hate saying it. I hate explaining how to pronounce it and everything. And I thought, well. There's a lot of things I don't like about my name, so I should just make one for myself. And at first, I just wanted to be just like comfort, because I, I thought that was kind of funny. Because I, I don't find myself very comforting at all, <laughs> and I thought that would be ironic, but it, it didn't seem complete. And also, like I was in the UK at the time, and someone told me that Comfort is a brand of uh, fabric softener over there. Uh-huh. I mean, like I actually I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being named after a fabric softener, but I, I thought, well, I like. You know, I got to put cat in there somewhere. And so like a comfort cat, like, I mean, there's obviously like, you know, the the, um, quasi therapy animals, right? Oh, yeah. But but I think of it more like, like, uh, actually, I was on this other podcast like a few years ago and I explained, well, a comfort cat is like you, it's an imaginary animal and you pick it up and then you hug it, Uh pretend that it's real. (laughs) And then... The people I was talking to said, well, yeah, I think you should just get a real cat because <laughs> this image is really sad. <laughs> 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 or that's, that's the effect. That's the, well, anyway, I have a real cat now. Yeah. Like, I adopted a real cat like two months after that oh, conversation. Cool. <laughs> so that's what a comfort cat is. It's just uh, an imaginary animal that you can pretend that you're picking up when things are, are stressful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, um, Let's see. So now I'm trying to think. Uh, so now we were talking a little bit about um, kind of like uh, fairness and the idea that uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing uh, in regards to um, uh, the specific truths that act as your way for your empowerment. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because like the, the, the name of the show is like the Truth of Power show by trying yeah. to think of it in terms of like, you know, uh, finding our personal truths and, and, and having them or helping them to empower ourselves in our communities. So, uh, what what would you say is a specific truth that uh, helps empower you, or makes you feel, keeps you going, keeps you fuel, keeps fueling you? That nothing's fair. Nothing's fair. Yeah. People that don't deserve like charmed lives get charmed lives. You know, like it's it's not about what you deserve. But if you want to give back, though, that's that's like a completely other thing, and I, I feel like that's empowering because it means like. First of all, you 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 got to be reminded that you have to create a system of you have to create fairness if you want it. 
Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah, I guess the pathway for us to be more active and 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 kind of contri- create this world that we want to create that that we uh, deep down desire and that that because it's not it is a little off that gives us power to you know go out there and and make things something you think. Yeah, and also I just I don't like the idea of people doing stuff because like doing good things because of like a reward at the end or something yeah. or why don't you just be a nice person because you want to be and not because of other stuff that you think has nothing to do with you. Yeah. So I guess, uh, so fairness, uh, that's like the other side of the coin of it not being a fair world. The other side is obviously that, well, you don't want to see people suffering, but the other side is that you can, you know, don't write it off as natural justice. Mm. Like that's because like as, as I, we spoke about just a second ago, I don't think nature is real. I mean, yeah. I think it is real. I just don't think it is. It has a capital and and that it has nothing to do with. Yeah, because we're part of the natural world in that sense. So that therefore, human beings and everything we produce and everything we're producing is part of the natural world. Did you say or? Yeah, well, well, like a, a concrete example that I, I think is really cool is uh, I forgot the name of this rock, but it's only produced in car paint facilities. Yeah. Like places where they paint cars, they like what what it's called. It's called like it's got a Ford Fordite or something. I forgot what it's called, but it's basically a um, it's considered a gemstone that's made over like decades of automobile paint. Oh yeah, and like when you chip it off of the uh, the work tables at like car painting facilities, you can like <laughs> make jewelry out of it. Oh yeah, and like that's basically a mineral. That's basically a, a rock. It's basically, uh, it's a, you know, I, I wouldn't want to call it artificial. Or I do want to call it artificial. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or just like when plastic washes up on, on the beach, yeah. it may as well just be a, a, some kind of rock. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's a bad example because yeah. it's complicated, but I just, uh-huh. uh, it's like a, they they call it they call it a, a man made what do you call it like like one of these things yeah uh, um, gemstone a gemstone yeah a gemstone made out of car paint I forgot what the yeah. words are for that that already exist yeah cool cool and then um, so now we were talking you kind of um, uh, talked a little bit about it, uh, brushingly but uh, we were talking a little bit about the kind of the failures and things that happened to us that help uh, inform our process and things that we tried to do that perhaps didn't come out the way that we wanted to. And uh, what were some examples in your life of some things that are most essential failures or most essential, most valuable failures? Yeah, well, I think the answer that I gave you in there was I, um, I tried for several years to move to the United Kingdom. Yeah. And that was a, I mean, that was the one big failure that resulted in lots of other smaller failures. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so where were you born? Where were you born? Were you born in America <laughs> or were you born somewhere else? Where were you born or where did you grow up? Oh, I was born in Washington State. Washington State? Okay, cool. Yeah. And then you grew up there. And when did you move to New York? Uh, around 2007 to, to go to college. Oh, I, okay. I only applied for a few of them, but I wanted to get as far away from uh-huh. my hometown as I possibly could. Yeah. And the very farthest school was, was uh, Sarah Lawrence College. Yeah. And they also gave me a scholarship that 
um, it was the only reason I could go there, really. Uh, and I'm like, cool, this is the farthest place, and they're giving me yeah. the most money. I'm going to go there. Yeah. Uh, and I was really glad to be just, it was so, it was just like a different planet, kind of. Oh. And, and I stayed in New York and, and moved to the city proper when I graduated. Yeah. And then you, uh, when did this dream of moving to UK start, or how did that start? Oh, well, I studied abroad there during college, and then, uh, sorry, this is, I guess this is a good example of a failure because I'm like embarrassed to talk about it. I'm like, I'm ashamed because <laughs> I feel like other, you know, other people I know, they wouldn't be this stupid. <laughs> but I moved over there to try to be with a person yeah. who made it very clear he would never, ever do the same thing. <laughs> but yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I tried to move over there anyway. Um, but actually, you know, I tried to make it work for me as well because I did, I did want to, um, study music and, I found like the one like master's program that applied to me at all. And that was songwriting. Um, that's in, that's in Bath. Mm-hmm. It's like in the Southwest of the UK. So I thought, okay, I'll apply to this place and that'll give me like, you know, I'll, I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be like geographically closer to this other person. And I can also study music. Yeah. And, uh, and also, you know, I, I enjoyed um, the time that I spent there, you know, and I, I made a lot of friends as well. Yeah. But that, uh, yeah, yeah, that didn't work out very well. <laughs> and then, um, you know, we think about like, uh, our own process and, and how it can be very curvy and, uh, you know, very strange process. You know, we all have that uh, experience of having watershed moments, um, and thinking about, um, and analyzing or understanding how we, how we interpret the world, how we, um, you know, kind of think about happiness or think about sadness and think about, um, you know, how we're kind of processing all these different emotions and such. So, um, you know, uh, you talking a little bit about that, about your creative process and about your, your own process, uh, about happiness and such. And tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are on that or, and, uh, okay. Should I start with my process or? Oh, process, yeah. The process, I think, all leading into, all leading into kind of how, whether or not their process makes you happy or it makes you feel upset or whatever it is, whatever kind of creative process, yeah. Uh, I have, I have a few of them. One of them is, I'll start with the easiest. I love found text. Uh-huh. I mean, um, like, you know, found text poem. Well, I like found text songs where I just, I'll just read something and I'll think it's great. And then <laughs> for whatever reason, and I'll, I'll write a song around it. And I always, like, my, like, I, I, I take great pride in just, like, using something verbatim, too, not just, like, summarizing it or, like, interpreting it. So I really love just, like, weird stuff that doesn't make any sense. I like, I like those kind of, I also just, like, um, certain, like, there's an E. Cummings poem that I really liked, and I maybe made that into a song pretty verbatim. And that one, you know, that wasn't a nonsense poem. That one, that one just, like, really, really spoke to me. Uh, but I have another process where I'll just um, I'll have like a vibe or a or a um, a character or a, a feeling or something that I won't really be able to describe with adjectives very well. Mm. I'll just like feel it, but I wouldn't be able to like quantify it in an easy way, and then um, then I'll just kind of. Sometimes I'll plunk around on an instrument, but sometimes I don't. 
sometimes like 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 I wrote some songs on an airplane once, like not not on the same airplane trip, but like a multiple airplane trips. I would just I, I wrote a, a few that way, and it'll just uh, it'll happen in my head, and I'll just have to memorize how it went. Like I'll sing in my head, or like the airplane engines are so loud that I'll, I can get away with like humming a little bit, but mostly I just memorize something. Usually a melody, because usually the harmony comes later. The harmony is kind of like built in with the melody a lot of times, I think, depending on like the kind of melody you're writing. I think a lot of people, sometimes they start with chords, like they'll like play a bunch of them in a row, or they'll like pick two and alternate between the two, and they'll just kind of write stuff to float on top of it, and that's cool. But I don't always like to do it that way. I, I probably have written some that way. But most of the time, I, I do like to start with the words, the melody, and they often happen at the same time. Or like sometimes I'll change a melody depending on like the the uh, syllables of the words. So yeah, even, they fit together. So even when you're writing a song about, let's say, a sad topic or something, or a quote-unquote sad topic, <laughs> uh, do yeah. you feel that it makes you happy, or do you feel like that that it it, it right rises up your spirits, or how? What kind of what is the effect of this kind of process of creativity do you feel it has any effect on your on your ability to interpret or ability to uh interpret these events or you know or whatever it is that you're talking about or whatever it is or aspect of your psyche you're dwelling into or yeah like do i feel better about stuff when i yeah because yeah i know you were saying like a lot of your um your um listeners will be like oh you know um <laughs> say yeah, a lot of they say a lot of stuff. Well, you, okay, so that, stuff, so, yeah. so that that yeah. that question that you yeah. asked, like, can you like, what was that question? That specifically the question that you asked? had to do with uh, when that, when you're when you're kind of dealing with topics like when you when you're writing songs about or exploring these kind of cause some of the songs I feel like are a little bit like you know considered like kind of not downer topics, but they're kind of like emotionally resonant topics. Where, <laughs> you know, they're very emotionally charged. You know, like they're very emotionally like they have a lot of weight to them. You know, they seem to have a lot of oh. Uh, that a lot of stuff to them so do okay. you like yeah i remember yeah. now the interview question you yeah. had asked in yeah. the email was like what what is my goal yeah for the listener yeah and then i wrote specifically well oh yeah so people have actually told me you know, on like various occasions like one person said that like how do you just like how do you not just like have a mental breakdown <laughs> yeah. after each one i'd be like That's well I, I had i've had many of them but like I already had them, so yeah. now I don't have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or now, you know, you get to have one. Yeah. Well, no, they they seem to be. They I don't know. They seem to feel better, I guess. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know. The pe- people who have this response to me, I feel like they they must have been very miserable <laughs> at, at various points as well. Yeah. I. Or if if you were asking me just now, like how I feel, yeah, how you feel, yeah, how's your process and how's your, uh, and you I, feel I like get you pretty go emotional. Through, yeah. Like there are some tunes where like I I do cry while I'm writing, yeah, and that's like so, ugh, it's like picturesque, right? But it's yeah. it's real. <laughs> yeah. Um. There 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 are a couple. Not not all of them are, end up this way, but there's a couple of them where I just couldn't. I couldn't sing them for like a few years after I wrote them because I would just get upset in the middle. Yeah, um, and I would want to table it. Yeah, um, and then then I, I would bring it back. I, I'm thinking of one in, in particular that I didn't want to do it, like for like a year and a half after I wrote it. And then my one of my bandmates said, oh, "Right, can you can you bring it out of the closet now?" 
Yeah. And like, and I said, okay. So yeah. we're working on that one now. So they all, or not all of them, just some of them, they, yeah, they're, they're deep, they're deeply personal. And it's really just time that allows me to feel less immediately attacked by my own songs. <laughs> it's just, it's just a matter of time, really. Years sometimes. Yeah. Or days. So why don't we listen a little bit to one song and then we can try to get ourselves up towards, uh, you know, the halfway point. And then uh, why, why don't we take a moment, uh, you can tell us, set up a song that you want to play and uh, tell us a little bit about it. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, okay. Um, well, I thought I would do one that, that you that you probably heard, yeah. like back last last summer, like uh, you were there, it was like the Who Needs Healing open mic. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, was was I? Did I do three songs at that? Was that? I think three songs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I. So I'll do do one of the. I think I did. I didn't keep track of what I did. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this one's pretty recent. Um. It's it. It came to me in a. Okay, so I had this dream where like someone texted me, and then well, someone actually did text me, but it's like you you wake up and you like you look and then you go back to sleep again. Oh, yeah. So I, I I I someone texted me. I woke up. I looked at my phone. And said, oh, oh, it's later, and I went back uh. to sleep. And I dreamt that I read it, and the person said something kind of weird, and then I when I actually woke up for real, I thought oh, that's, that's interesting. That's kind of that's kind of cool. I don't I don't know. And then I um, was logging on to the internet, and one of my friends had posted this article uh, that was written by somebody Sadguru. Yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, and he and he and he wrote in this article that 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 um, love is life longing for itself. And I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. That's that's like something that I've like heard in the general consciousness of where I walk. Yeah. But um, like that particular phrase, I think that's how he phrased it. It was interesting. And then I went to work, you know, I, I teach violin during the week. Um, and then around like nine o'clock that night, and I know it was around nine because it took me about two and a half hours to write this tune. I just remembered that text message stream and then that article and... I wrote that I wrote this tune and I, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I thought it was kind of corny. I thought it was like silly or whatever, but I'm not the best judge of that. So I um, texted a friend and said, all right, can you like, I, I trust your judgment. Can you tell me if this is, if this is any good or not? Cause I, I can't really tell like it's too new. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, the next day he was like, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. uh -huh. uh, yeah, so that's yeah. the one I want to do at the halfway point. Oh, good. Yeah, thank you. So you have two albums, one split spit and one uh, sniff was the other one? or Yeah, my, one? yeah. my first one is Sniff. Sniff, yeah. From 2014, I yeah. self-produced that. Um, I ha Well, I mean, like, self-produced, but there are other people playing on it besides myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was my very first one. I was really proud of that. I did the artwork myself. Like I tried to outsource it. I tried to find one of my actual my, my friends that are like better at graphic design than me to do it, but mm -hmm. they were all busy. But I'm, I'm happy with the way it turned out, though. It's yeah, like the, the cover. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a um, what is it? Statue of Liberty kind of thing, or hmm? oh no, that's Spit. Oh, uh, Spit. Yeah. No, that no, that one. That one. My uh, my friend Renaps. 
Yeah. You did that one. I'm, I'm very happy with oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, okay. uh, Sniff is the one where I did the artwork. I have that. The first one. I wrote it up. But <laughs> anyway. Um, but Spit, yeah, 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 she did a fantastic job. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we can we can go to the song and then we can uh, start to um, figure out at this point. Um, so I'll let you uh, get your. Oh, you want me to play it now? Yeah, you can play it now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting. Artificially. <laughs> As we set up, I'll just. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is this is this picking this up? Yeah, it should it should, yeah. Oh god. Should I just do it now? Yeah. Maybe ready, yeah. I am married to the rain. I am married to the rain. I am married to the rain. You could pick at any tear from my tapestry of care. Unleash those wicked cards like they've been waiting for. I am married to the rain. I am married to the rain. I am married to the rain. I I am married. 
to the rain. I am married to the rain. I am married to the rain. Thanks so much. It was really beautiful. I really loved uh, it. When I heard it the first time, too, I loved it as much. And, and uh, it's really great. Um, so one thing also we can talk a little bit about is um, kind of like talking a little bit about philosophies and, and different things and uh, and how your worldview overall has been shaped or modeled by either, um, you know, different singer-songwriters or by different philosophies and, and how your um, how your process has been, has been uh, kind of influenced by various sources and such. So we can start a little bit with the kind of creative influences and such and then go into more broader. Yeah, I... You know, when I think about that, I, I, the image I have in my head right now, you know, in tarot, there's the fool. Yeah. That's how I feel about anything pertaining to religion or philosophy or whatever. I just don't know anything. Yeah. And I don't care enough to learn more about anything. And I'm, I'm not saying that, that like that that's like something I should be proud of. I just I just can't care. Uh, yeah. I just can't <laughs> I just don't know yeah. how to care. I, I feel so like um tilt this up a bit. Yeah. I feel so just lost and and, and I just want to be a blank slate. The thing is, I'm not a blank slate, though. Yeah. I mean, I am, and I'm not. Like there, there are many things that influence the way I view the world, and some of them I just can't get rid of. And maybe I should try, but yeah. Like so, like so. That said, uh, you know, I was sort of Catholic, I guess, growing up, but it was more like. I think my family was just like, all right, we have a kid, so we have to be religious now. <laughs> because that's what you do when you have children. You gotta, you gotta. But, but like, they didn't, <laughs> it's like, I kind of, I kind of love it though. They're like, uh, I was baptized Catholic because uh, my mother's side is um, Filipino and that's like the prevailing religion. Um, on my father's side, I don't think anybody's religious really. I mean, not, I mean, not, well, I mean, not, not like, from birth, like from like a young age, but I think everybody who is religious like found it later when they were adults. Yeah. Um, but so well, so anyway, there's that you know we went to Catholic church, but then I went to Lutheran preschools, uh, <laughs> which I find funny because it's just like the it comes from this place of it's, it's a religion, so so put the child there. It's uh, <laughs> um, so I've got these you know I've got those images in my head. I had a lot of fun, I think, being Catholic, but I had too much fun. They didn't like it. I got told once that, like, like I love doing the dramatic reenactments because I, I like I like to read stuff aloud, and they were just like, "You're, you're supposed to be like teaching people that that sin is bad." I was re- like reading about like, <laughs> like how like, greed is bad, and they're like, "You, you're like counting money out of your hand. You got this." grin on your face like no you look like you're having a good time you're supposed to be teaching people this <laughs> yeah. and i feel like that memory sums up 
like why I can't be Catholic because yeah. uh, uh, and then I don't know. I I like I don't I don't want to talk too much about this in detail because I I want to like I don't want to um erode anyone's privacy. But like my dad took me on like his spiritual journal with him I guess because he got like disillusioned or something and yeah. and and I, I was like I felt like I was his little buddy for that yeah and then he so I basically was like tagging along on his journey I, I suddenly had to think about everything from his point of view and and like he like studied a lot of eastern religions and philosophies and yeah. well it's like I don't want to tag along on someone else's journey. Like that got really bad. That got really poisonous. That like you know how people they'll they'll use <laughs> they'll use they'll use a religion to be mean to you. <laughs> and that, yeah. like, it feels so funny to say it that way because it's not funny. It's uh yeah. Well, anyway, so like on a micro level, that you know I had to get out of that. Yeah, that was very poisonous. Um, and uh, um, I feel like I have to just start from scratch so in that respect i feel like a blank slate because i don't want to be clouded by all these ideas that aren't mine mm. but but and yet and yet i can't you can't really divorce yourself from that from anything and thinking more uh secularly or creatively uh what are some of the singer songwriters that have influenced you that you kind of emulate or or listen to that you know you try to um have you listened to your, your creative spirit or creative side? Yeah. Uh, well, there's just there's just a whole lot of them. So, the, if I, when I start name dropping, it's going to be a little yeah. random, and I might not say the same thing on another day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess well, I mean I guess I'll start at the very beginning. Like the very first songs I listened to were the Beatles songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's. That's what my family listens to a lot. Um, and then when I got older, um, I, I started getting into Bjork. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I, actually, the first thing I noticed, the first thing I think everyone notices about her is that she has a strange voice, but she has a beautiful, wonderful voice. That's the most important thing. But, like the first observation was the first observation that I mentioned now was the first one I had. And that's significant to me, actually, very pers- on a very personal level, because, uh, like, I have kind of a weird voice. Um, and I just remember, like, I have, uh, like, the first time I studied abroad in England. Um, so so before, hither to that point, I was fo- focusing on classical violin most of the time. And I didn't really sing or write songs. And when I did, I just, it just I don't know, it was, it was a... Uh, it was hard. Like I felt like ashamed of myself and all that stuff. But and when I started actually performing more often, like uh, you know, it wasn't really like I had this teacher who was just like, "You have a really weird voice, and like you you have no idea what you're doing." <laughs> she gave uh, me kind of a bad grade oh, yeah. in this module where I like performed some my songs, yeah. and but I just remembered that a lot a lot of a lot of people have what would be considered strange voices. And like, not everybody likes them, but the people who do really, really like them. Um, so, like, now, so, so it's more Bjork's voice than her songwriting, I guess, that, that really influenced the way I think. And then, you know, from her, like, um, she's like a gateway artist to many other artists. Um, 
Oh yeah, and of course I love her songs too. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> I'm just saying the things that like very first like touched, yeah. touched my mind. Um, yeah. And um, so talking a little bit about like just uh, you know what what else is coming up for you as far as like uh, you know in your own uh, journey or how it's been how it's been enriched, but uh, you know your creative journey as an artist and and how you connected with uh, various. We were talking a little bit about kind of how your audiences have recept, received your work. And uh, if we focus a little bit on that and, and how your journey as an artist and connecting with community. So tell us a little bit about that, about how, you know, how the community, because I know with the uh, Staten Island, do, they, do you live in Staten Island? I or, do, yeah. Do, yeah. So how's the Staten Island community been? A lot of people have these perceptions about Staten Island, perhaps that, you know that I grew up in Santa actually myself. I, I grew oh, yeah. up as a child uh, growing up there, and then uh, I think it was like in uh, 2002, my parents moved to New, to New Jersey, and then uh, like I was like living like in Queens and Brooklyn and such for a little while, and then uh, but I saw some friends stand on. So we talked a little bit about community and how you interpret community and and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's really grown on me living yeah. there i'm really i'm really glad i live there now so before then i lived in brooklyn yeah and i moved to brooklyn because i heard oh yeah that's where like artist people go there's yeah. like venues and cool stuff there that's yeah. like a, only only information that was prodding me to go live there yeah but it just seemed manufactured i don't know like it didn't i didn't really feel like there was a community there other than like the friends that I met through creative organizations. Yeah. And I, I met, I met a lot there. I mean, I know a lot of really cool people when I lived in Brooklyn and still know them. Uh, but it's, it's like, it's like we're in it, but not of it. And it still feels that way. Every time I go to Manhattan or Brooklyn, it just feels like I don't belong there. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of don't, I guess. Uh, but then I moved to England to do my master's and I was there for like two years. And when I was making the decision to move back to New York, I thought just kind of on a whim, oh, I'll move to Staten Island because the rent's cheaper there. <laughs> and also I've never lived there before. And I, I like the idea of going on a boat because I, I'm like obsessed with water. Uh, and I, yeah. I get claustrophobic at the idea of living anywhere that isn't by the ocean. And I thought that it would be an interesting experience. So I moved there it came came for the cheap rent, you know, stayed for the people. <laughs> but I actually, it's not really that um, linear, actually. Um, when I first moved there, I um, didn't talk to anyone on the island. Actually, I would I would go to um, I would go to ETG Book Cafe with my computer mm. and and write because my job for like three and a half years, I was a freelance um, SEO writer, which basically means I wrote like top 10 listicles about really boring things no one cares about uh-huh. for like, but I, I wrote a bunch of them for every week for money so i would go to each ETG. i would like i have a i have kind of a i look really severe if i'm not trying to not look severe so uh-huh. <laughs> um i i don't even know how i ended up performing that i think i just went in there with an instrument one day and then and then steve was just like oh you have an instrument i know uh-huh. people who play instruments and then uh-huh. i think um, I met people that way, <laughs> but uh, it was funny though. So I was, it was the first three years I was there though. Um, 
I I was still in this long distance thing with that person that I had initially moved to England for and was just trying really hard to move there. It's so, so even though I was living in Staten Island, everything about me was trying to get away from New York and it felt so wrong. I, I felt it was the same thing in Brooklyn actually. Just all of my being was focused on being somewhere else. And maybe in that respect, I didn't belong there because I kept on, my, all of my energies were focused on just like this other place. And I wasn't focusing at all on what I wanted, what I really wanted to do. You know, I, I, you know, I would create little lies for myself to put me on this wrong path and convinced myself that I was doing it for me. Um, so, so because of that mindset that I had, it's like a mind, not just a mindset. It's like a heart set, you know. I I just wasn't, I wasn't writing a whole lot of songs. I wasn't performing very much. I was really, really miserable. I was so lonely. I was so isolated, uh, because it just seemed like real life was this other, this other place. Real life was this other place that I could only visit like once a year, and it was just such a horrible it did terrible things to my mind not just when i lived in staten island but before then just like just like destroy like i feel like i feel like i feel like 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 someone took a big scraper and just didn't just lobotomize me but like (laughs) scraped the whole frontal lobe of me off um and there is a song about that actually uh but that's that's what i feel that that's what that relationship did to me kind of and I, i eventually i broke it up i did and then we know after I broke up with him, like the first few months were really, really bad, of course. And like I kept, and then I, well, I don't want to talk about that too much. But yeah. then, you know, when I started to recover a little bit more, uh, I suddenly realized, hey, I, I live in a community and actually like, it's a creative community. And, and I, I, that's around the time, like when I think Steve noticed that I had an instrument yeah. <laughs> with me at the cafe as I, I think I was probably like going to Brooklyn or something with it, like you know, to rehearse with people that were not on Staten Island. But then I, I started to meet all these people, and and like you know, Phoebe Blue is like the mayor of Staten Island. She was, I think, the first person who like actually like wanted to spend time with me, and was like, and we were sort of neighbors too. Like it, it took me like five minutes to walk over to where she was living. And I'm like, I'm not used to that. Like, even when I lived in Brooklyn, my Brooklyn friends, like, we would take, like, forever to go see each other. Yeah. And I wasn't used to, like, wow, I have neighbors, and they actually, like, want to just hang out and not just go do some business-orientated thing somewhere else <laughs> and spend lots of money we don't want to spend. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and from her, I met a, a lot of other people, and I feel like a lot of other artists probably have a similar story with her. Like, she's just really yeah. nice and... She made me feel welcome. She finally made, like, I finally felt welcome in this place that I had already been living in and just feeling so isolated. And, uh, yeah. Um, actually, it was on her podcast. I mean, it's uh, it's not running anymore, but where she, where she was, I told her what a comfort cat was. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. like I pick up an imaginary cat and, like, cry a little bit and pretend that it's real and I rock back and forth and it's, it's real. And then she's like, you should just get a cat. <laughs> that comfort cat should have a cat. And then sometime after that, I, yeah, I found a, I found a kitten in the street. <laughs> I would have gotten an adult cat at a shelter, but yeah. he, you know, I, 
circumstances <laughs> such that I found a kitten. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it reminds me a little bit about, it uh, makes me think about, uh, we were talking about a bit like, you know, the value we place. So, some people place so much value on like being happy, being chipper and such and all this kind of thing. But, you know, really being real, I think is important and just being able to process all these emotions and, and be able to be real to where we are and grounded to where, how we're feeling and, and how we're processing things and, um, talking a little bit about, um, kind of how, uh, and the ways in which we can, uh, see the universe within our own psyche and such and, and understand ourselves, understand our, our process, understand different people and community in that sense that we share that kind of similar, uh, process. And that that's one way in which we connect with community that community is, uh, through our art and through our practice of, uh, going deep, going inward to understand, uh, each other and understand, uh, um, what it means to be happy or what is the goal of life or whether, whether or not life is to be, you know, happy or whether it's to be kind of part of that community and, and moving forward. So what would you say is the, um, what I'm kind of gearing towards it's, uh, um, what would you say is like ultimately like what is the purpose of our life or is there any purpose or is there any, cause you're talking a little bit, uh, kind of, what was the word you used? Uh, spiritual anarchist. What? You're talking a lot. What's about, the content? Okay, what, uh, what actual question did you ask me so, that I answered with that? So I, was thinking, I was thinking a little bit about like, like a spiritual anarchy and like how um, I was kind of just meandering a little bit. Can you, can you just read the question that I was responding to? Yeah, so, so that you're talking a little sense. bit about, yeah. We were talking a little bit about how uh, civic, but this, this had the umbrella question about uh, civic philosophies or one civic work that changed your worldview. Okay. Uh, but then, then I was combining it with a question of what experience do you reflect on as a worship moment in your own process? So I was kind of doing some kind okay, of com- okay. combination of the two, like talking about, you know. Oh, yeah. And I said, I feel uh, like a spiritual anarchist. And I guess I've yeah. always kind of wanted to. Yeah. Be one. And then I was combining <laughs> it with, or I was kind of meandering my way through the idea that. Uh, you were writing about, I didn't want to be too like locked into the answers, but I was kind of okay. looking over it about how like, uh, and this goal is cleverly wrapped as happiness as Steve. There's nothing to do with Yeah, I'm sorry. It's help. just that like that, yeah. that, that, that the context for that statement is very important. Yeah. That, yeah. that was like my adolescent, mind not understanding the point of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I have more complicated opinion or, yeah, I won't even say opinions. I just have a more complicated relationship with the idea of happiness now. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's just sorry. important. It's just important to me that that that, yeah. that that that's that statement was framed properly because yeah. I don't like that was how I felt then. That's very oh, important. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And Thank like you. now it's more nuanced. Okay, so yeah, yeah. to talk, I, I'll just talk about how I feel about like people say, "Oh, yeah, you're supposed to be happy. You have to. Yeah. You have to make yourself happy. Yeah. Your responsibility to be happy." I think I don't want to be. Yeah. I mean, that's so. So I mean, back then, I did not want to be happy because happiness just it 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 seemed like it seemed like a, a euphemism for shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Shut the fuck. Or uh, be quiet. Uh, we don't. We don't. We don't want to listen to you. Uh, we don't want to hear it. I would hear that from people very often because I had you know I had problems with lots of things. I, I still have problems with lots of things, but it just seemed like. This, everyone's solution was just to be quiet and leave them alone. Um, and so I thought, well, well, I mean, I think I, I, that, that's it right there. Happiness, what, like, you don't really want me to be happy. You just want me <sighs> to shut up. Yeah. Um, 
and also I think I had that attitude because it's just like I kept hearing from various places. I don't know what the source of like multiple sources of this idea that you can't make good art unless you suffer a little bit. Yeah. And there, there is a little bit of truth to that, I think, because I, um, I just think there is some to it. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that the art is miserable or that it makes you feel miserable. It's coming out of the process that, uh, or it's geared out of the process, the creative psychological process, creative process that kind of reflects on or, or attempts to be, attempts to move towards a kind of um, world in which, you know, as you're talking before about how the, the, the world is not a little skew, a little off of what it should be. So we're trying to kind of correct or, or that's empower. That's like the primal kind of, misery. Yeah, primal misery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It's the core. It's the, the core objective. The first, is to, the first rebellion is yeah. like the crux of where all misery begins. It's like the first time there is a splitting of anything. Yeah, I, I feel uh, that. Yeah, I, I wanted to be really miserable. I, I was reading a lot of books. There were like a lot of miserable people in the books I was reading. Yeah, um, and I just wanted to know what it was like. <laughs> and then I, I did. Yeah, yeah all, all kinds of. Sometimes I think that I made all the terrible decisions I made on purpose. Like I made the terrible decision to like completely revolve my life around someone else's because I wanted to know what that pain felt like. And like when I phrase it that way, it makes it, it makes me sound like not a very sympathetic character. Like, oh, you did this to yourself. Why? Why should I care about like what you've written? Yeah, you did this to yourself on purpose. Sometimes I feel like, I feel like. The fact that I write songs is like my persistent rejection, my persistent like refusal to look after my own mental health. <laughs> yeah. If I were actually like a well-adjusted person, I wouldn't write anything. I would just be quiet all the time. And yeah. Never, never complain about anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then just returning to the idea of, well, what does uh, spiritual anarchist mean to you, and what is that? What is what? Spiritual anarchist? What is that? A spiritual anarchist, or what is that? Oh, that's just yeah. something I just kind of threw out there. I don't know what it means. It, oh, just, no, means, okay. I mean, it just means somebody who <laughs> yeah. uh, doesn't have a plan. Yeah. Or maybe they have a plan, but it lasts three seconds. Okay, yeah. I mean, I feel like I, I, um, I, do, I do a lot of things that way. I don't really have any rules. I have a really malleable sense of morality. Yeah, and when no one's watching me, uh-huh. I do, I take full advantage of the fact when no one's watching what I'm doing. Yeah, uh-huh. like uh, I don't know. So as you start to wind down, I'll just read a few um, uh, things about Ready for Brooklyn, and then we can uh, uh, start to wrap up. Um, okay, Ready for Brooklyn is a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization. His mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate. You can also go to readyforbrooklyn.org slash truth to power uh, to sponsor this particular show. Every cent helps us continue to stay on air. So please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax deductible to the full extent of law. Again, that's readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate or slash truth to power. Um, after more than a year of dreaming, researching, experimenting, late night conference calls, and early Saturday morning meetings, the Me team is happy and proud to present you the Me bottle. 
This double insulated reusable stainless steel bottle disinfects water in a 60 second cycle, used utilizing UVC LED technology, and is 99.99% effective against E. coli. Single charge via micro USB lasts up to 30 days, and the bright LED displays lets you know when water is ready to drink. Join us in bringing clean water to all. Raise your bottle and drink to me and you. Find out more at mebottle.com. Um, today is, what is this? This is October um, 7th. So um, I'll skip over that one. This one actually kill date is October 6th. And we had something going on previously. But also, um, you know, uh, if you're listening to this broadcast on your computer, you can free yourself up by listening on your iPhone or Android. Going to the respective play stores. Go to rehabilitation.org slash newsletter to keep in touch with our uh, upcoming events, uh, upcoming uh, shows, uh, swag, and more. Um, so we have just a few more minutes. Why don't we uh, quickly plug a few things, uh, you know, uh, and tell us a little bit about how we can follow you on various oh, platforms. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, where we can follow <laughs> you, where listeners can follow you. Um, sure. Yeah. I got a few. Okay, so I'm on the usual culprits. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Just my handle is Comfort Cat Music, all one word. I think I'm 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 not I don't really use Twitter, but like I just kind of repost like I uh, cross post all my Instagram stuff to Twitter. Yeah. So, but you know, you don't don't follow me there unless you want to. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's mostly just go to Instagram, and also I have a um a tiny letter newsletter. That I send out like once every couple of weeks uh, that talks about uh, events I'm doing or stuff I'm releasing. If you go to tinyletter.com slash comfort cat, you can sign up for that. I, that's that's my favorite um, mode of like uh, talking about what I'm doing because I, I, it's kind of free form. I just it's like I'm just writing a letter to my friend, but it's whoever is reading it. And I don't necessarily know them that well. And I'll just I don't. I like yammer on about nonsense too. And some people, like some of my friends have just told me flat up, I don't really care about your upcoming events, but I just like reading about you blabbering on about <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And which that's cool is too. You know, that's a form of, a perfectly valid form of performance. Which platform? What? Oh, which that's platform? Tiny Letter. That's tinyletter.com slash comfort Yeah. And then, uh, like, wait, if, if Radio Free Brooklyn likes cats, like, I have stickers too. Oh. Is it okay if I plug a, an event that I'm Yeah, sure, of soon? course, yeah. Okay, so at this place called The Tiny Cupboard at 1717 Broadway, I'm um, doing a Halloween party slash performance uh, um, on, on, when is it again? It's on the 19th. That's a Saturday. Yeah, it's $12 at the door or, or uh, $10 on, online. Um, just... Visit visit one of my um, social media places, and there's more info about it there. It's really good. It's a really awesome lineup. You you should go to it. Oh, oh. all right. So um, we'll go out with uh, we have like about uh, a minute or so. We'll go out with the best of knowing from the best Spit. part of knowing. Best part of knowing. Um, best part of knowing from uh, Spit, the first album. So um, my second album. Second. Uh, Oh. Yep, it came out just a few months ago. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, let me see if this plays. <laughs> there you go. It's playing a little softly. 
No, no, it's it's. Oh yeah. yeah. I love I love having. Yeah. That for it. Still continue to listen to Truth to Power Show on Reef Brooklyn every Monday at 8 a.m. And please enjoy this uh, this song as you go out. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. 